Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. Westside's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy and thanks for tuning in. Well, good afternoon, Westside. How's it going? Oh, you're gonna have to shout louder than that. How's it going? Nice, awesome. I, I was asking uh, my friend Keith Potter, who was here last weekend, right? And I said, Keith, uh, do they all sit in the little area or do they like spread across in this massive auditorium? And he goes, yeah, they're spread across the massive auditorium. So I was ready for you all. I knew what was going to happen. I am, again, the campus pastor at Bushnell University, and I'm an assistant professor of Christian ministry. What that means is I get to teach a lot of really fun stuff. Now, I say fun because it's a a part of the world in which I think God has called me into that. So I got here in 2010, so working on 13, this will be our 13th school year together. I teach classes like calling. There's a class called All Are Gifted, All Are Called. And so I get to ask the question and walk with students as they kind of wrestle with and try to figure out where is God calling them in the world? And that includes things like ministry, but not primarily that because most of our college The students are choosing from degrees from business to exercise science to psychology to whatever it is, but it's still a calling from God into those fields. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? So I always like to ask this when I'm in a crowd because I think we all have different transitions of life and we all ask these questions. There is something hardwired in our heart for meaning and purpose in this life. Can I get an amen? Right? Like we know we're not doing good when we feel like something is more, I'm missing out on something. And so I ask this question, how many of you are still trying to figure out what God wants you to do with your life? <laughs> Look around the room, right? Like that is not an age focused question, right? And I joke sometimes and my students know I say this so I can say it again, uh, but I joke with the fact that a class on calling is sometimes not as appreciated with 18 to 22 year olds. It is with like 30 and 40 and 50 year olds. Can I get an amen? Right, Because we're all still asking that question sometimes because we're looking for meaning and purpose. We want to connect to something that's bigger than us, that makes a difference, that lasts, that has an actual impact, right? Like that's what we're hardwired to do. And when we aren't doing those kind of things, something feels amiss. Something feels like it's a little bit off. I get a chance to teach classes like this. And even this fall, I get a chance to teach a class. It's actually called Church Revitalization and Church Planting. So I'm a church planter from my past. Before I came to the university, I was a part of two church plants in California. Don't hold that against me. I'm fairly Oregonian now. Not a eugenius yet, but I'm getting there. I'm working on it. So I love the fact that we get a chance to ask questions in those two particular places, in church revitalization and church planting, about what? The meaning and purpose of the church, the people of God. And I know that you all are in a transition right now, Right? Like Brooks was someone who I had come and speak on campus and I had him in classes and, and I love him as a communicator, right? Everybody say amen. He's an communi- amazing communicator. But you're now in a season of transition. I was just this afternoon with another church in town who was asking the same questions. Their pastor recently left also, young pastor. And now they're asking questions about, okay, what's next for them as well? I'm hoping that this message today does connect a little bit to that part of the journey but mostly to wherever you're at today. Where are you at in this idea of following after God? 
The, the idea of a calling means that there's a voice that is speaking and that we are listening to. Can I get an amen, right? This idea is that we're listening for God's voice. And maybe it's just almost like CSI trying to find his fingerprints in our life someplace, right? Like, is that God? Is that, is that God? Is that what he's up to? What is he about? And that's what we're going to do and talk about today. Um, I, I have this picture of, of, my, our, of our three sons. Now, they are not this age anymore. Uh, matter of fact, the oldest is, uh, my wife is, this is Dawn. Everybody say, hi, Dawn. Uh, she just got back from New York uh, last night, um, and she was visiting our oldest, who decided that he was going to move from the little town of Eugene and live in New York City. Uh, our second, our middle son, is finishing up his internship in college, and then our youngest is entering his senior year. So they were not this age. But I show this picture because the story I'm about to tell kind of is more like when they were this age. And I like this picture. Matter of fact, it's my favorite picture of, of me and my boys. Because you know why? It chronicles the last moment they listened to me. There you go, right there, right? That's it. That was all I had. And from there on, it was like, what does he know? The old guy, he's so stupid. Okay. No, they didn't really do that. But this was, we were doing a photo shoot out in, the, in this cool little area. And the person said, hey, I need to reload the camera. Remember those days? Okay, the <laughs> cameras needed to be reloaded. Yeah. Uh, uh, and anyways, so when she did that, they all like literally were in their poses and they just turned kind of like that, right? And so in this picture, we're actually, we're talking about like, hey, how are you, what are you liking this? What are you, what's going on? And what I remember about my guys at that age is they love this idea of adventure. Matter of fact, really close to where that picture was taken, there's a little frog stream, like a frog pond. Now, my three guys at that age were championship-level frog catchers. And I'm not talking frogs. I mean, this is in Northern California. This is a place where frogs are not like this size. They're like this size, right? And they would be walking around like, hey, I found another one. And they put them down. Hey, I found another one. And put them down. And I'm like, this is amazing. They love adventure. I think that that heart is also hardwired in each one of us. The idea of adventure. I think that's why we're looking for meaning and purpose because we want something that that calls us to be alive, that calls us to have to trust in something that's bigger than ourselves, something that is more worthy of going after. And so what we did is we played video games. At the time, there was this character. He's still around. Uh, this character was one of my, our favorites. Uh, depending on what game platform you played with, uh, this was Link. Uh, this game is called Zelda. And they used to watch me play. And I think that they, and I would say, hey, do you guys want to play? And they're like, no, 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 we just want to watch you. I think there's something about their heart that they love this idea that they're being welcomed into an adventure, but they weren't going to go into the adventure alone. They had someone who knew a little bit about what they were doing. I'm not that good of a video game player. Matter of fact, my middle has played esports at our university. If you don't know what that means, that means that college athletics has now expanded to video games. I know you have an opinion. I'm not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> so at the end of the day, like there's this adventure that's calling us, right? Matter of fact, when my guys were young, whenever I would leave the house, we would use a kind of a send-off. It's almost like a benediction, uh, a little less holy than that. But the benediction was, is as we would go, it was a quote from a movie. And yes, uh, the movie is The Princess Bride. And yes, I did see it my freshman year in college. That's how old I am. And here's the quote, right? They, they said, you know, have fun storming the castle. That's what they would say, right, in the movie. And then the person said, you think it'll work? And the person would respond with, it's gonna take a miracle, right? And I think that there's something about that call. If you knew every day you were gonna go storm the castle, right? Go involve yourself in God-sized kingdom stuff. And you say, you think it's gonna work? And it was gonna say, 
it's gonna take a miracle. It's gonna take God being with us, his Holy Spirit empowering us so we could see and be involved in these things. Now, I know you're in this series in Mark. And in Mark, what ends up happening is that there's all these different action items that Jesus is a part of. Matter of fact, he overuses the word immediately, right? Do you have a friend who like uses the same word over and over and over again? And you're like, yeah, I think you need to get a better word or a new word because you just keep using the same word over and over again. That's Mark. He uses the word immediately. Immediately he did this, immediately did this. And it's like, I think he was actually like not running, you know, at times. I think Jesus was not a sprinter. And at the end of the day, but he's calling us to this idea that Jesus was intent on living a purpose-filled life for the sake of the kingdom of his father. That's why it's immediately. It's that important to do it immediately. And so the passage, and I'm gonna jump right uh, to the passage today. Oh, actually, let me, let me start with Luke because Luke kind of gives us a sense of what Jesus is all about. Luke chapter four, um, this is Jesus's own purpose statement or his, his statement of what he was all about. Luke 4, 16 through 21, and I'll just read it. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. The blind will see, the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them saying, the scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. If in the ancient world, there was a thing called a mic drop, Jesus just did it. He reads this passage that they all know is from the prophet Isaiah. That's about God's work of redeeming the world, putting it back to rights, making it the way we were all hunger for it to be. And he goes, and it's been fulfilled today. <clears throat> Walks off, right? Well, if you read the passage, it gets kind of dodgy from there on out, right? Like there are con consistent times in scripture where those who are in religious power over that area and that region at the time find Jesus as a threat and words like this, and from that day on, they conspired to kill him. This is one of those moments. Jesus is acknowledging to them that not only does he know what God's up to, but that he is part of the answer to that. He's the savior, the Messiah, the one that's been promised to come to set it all right. That scares people in power. That means they're not the ones or they're not doing enough. And any time that you push against those in power, they see oftentimes the person or the group as a threat. And so Jesus begins to do this. And so when we begin to see what he's doing in his life of ministry, it makes sense. As a matter of fact, when he teaches his disciples to pray, and I think you guys all close with the Lord's Prayer each week, right? So as a part of that prayer, we say some words that again remind us what Jesus' mission was. On a certain day, Jesus was playing, praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. He asked them to pray specifically about the there coming here. Isn't it interesting 
that often in the Christian faith, in the Christian life, we worry about getting from here to there rather than being worried about bringing the there to here. Somebody say, ouch. Right? That's the other one I have people repeat. When we say, ouch, it means it should hurt a little bit, right? Enough to remind us that there's something going on that I may not be in line with. And so I would love to find a community of people who are more worried about getting the there to here than worrying about the, the here, getting from here to there. Yeah, of course, that's a part of the story and that's a part of what we're gonna happen. But if we bring the there to here, then that happens, that changes the here and it changes the people who bump into the what is supposed to be. And when they get a taste of what is supposed to be, all of a sudden we realign our lives. We realize we need someone to teach us what that looks like. So that's what Jesus does. And in the gospel of Mark, Mark is just repeating these stories of what Jesus is doing and why he's about this particular call in his life. What is he going to be doing? Matter of fact, you probably have heard in the last few weeks, passages leading up to the passage today, right? The passage we're in today is out of Mark and it's in Mark 6. So the whole first part of Mark 6 though has all these other stories in it, Right? He sends them out to go do ministry. And he basically tells them, don't take anything with you because you'll rely on that stuff and I want you to rely on me. And then after that, there's a bunch of people who come and they listen to his, his teaching. Matter of fact, there's an interesting part of this story because what ends up happening, they're supposed to take a break. They're supposed to go take a little rest, right? They're gonna, hey, we're gonna get off to a quiet place and pray, kind of, kind of do some connection with God. And then people interrupt them and then they have to do ministry again. Anyone feel like that at some point in your life? <laughs> I was supposed to go on vacation this last week and work called. We were gonna do this thing, but then someone in our family got sick. We were gonna get a little bit of rest, but something else happened that needed our attention. And this is what's going on in the life of the disciples, right? And in the midst of that, what ends up happening is a mass food production opportunity, right? Like all these people come and... Jesus teaches and it gets late. They're all listening. And in that moment, they're like, well, we need to send people off to get some food. They're all gonna like faint because they need something, they need sustenance. And Jesus is like, well, hey, you feed them. And they're like, uh, well, with, with what? Like we don't make money. We like rely on people. And Jesus finds what's available and multiplies it. What's in common in those two stories? The need for us to rely on God and not ourselves. They go out, do ministry in the name of Jesus. They're supposed to feed people, but they need God to be the one that helps provide. At each time, there's words that are often said, and oftentimes Jesus says things like this, why did you doubt? Where is your faith? Is that all the faith you have? And all of these stories remind us again, and, I'm, and in some ways I'm comforted because the disciples themselves struggled with this, right? And I take a deep holy breath and I'm like, okay, that means it's okay to struggle with this, right? Like it's hard to day in and day out rely on God. Can I get an amen? And so we are in good company when we realize we're at the end of ourself and we need God to show up in some significant way. 
And when we're tired and don't have enough to do it, that God will also show up and empower us and do it through us. That's not a call to burn out for God, but that's a call to realize, do what's right in front of you and God will be with you. And so the passage today out of Mark 6. Now, uh, before I get into that, I do want to kind of remind you of something. So I'm, I'm a weird one when it comes to teaching. I think that we all need to learn in three different ways, right? We learn audibly, you know, audible through our ears. We learn visually. So there's some pictures and some scriptures on there. And we learn tactily or like kinesthetically, like by being involved in something. We're about people who build things, make things, and like put things together for their life, for your job. Can I see hands? Uh, you're amazing to me. I, I have no ability whatsoever. Uh, I struggle with Legos. You know what I mean? So, but we were just down uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Gianna was with our, one of our teams and Matt also, who's up here, was in Puerto Rico and they were doing d- disaster relief in Puerto Rico. I'm so proud of them. We were down in Mexico. We helped build a, a home for a family and do some justice work down on the border. And I watched people who could hit a hammer, hit a nail with a hammer through two two by fours in like two hits. And I'm like, that's impressive. Like 19, and I'm like, is it in yet? You know, kind of thing. So, paper in front of you. Everybody wave the paper you got in front of you like this. Awesome, good, good, good. If you need one, just put your hand up and people will come bring it to you. I think that's magic, but it's gonna happen. Okay, so what I'm gonna have you do today is origami. I know that's gonna scare you right now. This is the simplest origami you could do. It's not a hat, but it's pretty close to the hat. If you all done the hat before. So today we're gonna build a boat because the story we're talking about today has the idea of a boat in it. And so we're gonna all have our own little boat. So you ready? Everybody say ready. ready. All right, so this is also my way of keeping you awake during uh, Sunday afternoon. (laughs) Did I say that out loud? That was supposed to be just the voice in the head. Okay. All right, so here's where we're gonna go. First thing you're gonna do, take the piece of paper and fold it in half just like I did. Boom, fold it in half. Put the fold at the top. Okay, try to get as close as you can. It's not perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Uh, This origami is very, very uh, forgiving. So it will probably still work regardless. Y'all got that? Everybody say, I got it. Nice, awesome. All right, here's the passage we're in today. Mark 6. Mark 6, verse 45 through 48. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. When he saw the disciples straining the oars because the wind was against them, shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. Interesting. So Jesus does actually do, they do the ministry that they're called to in that moment. They feed the people. He sends them away giving them a chance to kind of get away from all of it and kind of try to get some rest and just kind of go across the lake. But of course they hit a fairly strong wind. And so they're straining to even get across the lake. Jesus went up and spent some time in prayer. Now, there's not many passages in scripture that have this in there, but there's enough for us to pause for a quick moment and say this. Life is very busy and it has lots of good stuff. But unless you prioritize time away with God, you will not have enough in your tank and you'll miss out on opportunities. Now I say that as a directive because at the end of the day, we all struggle with this. Jesus is like, I don't know when I'm gonna get this. It's not gonna just show up. 
No one's gonna show up to you and go, oh, hey, you know what? You've been working really, really good. I'm gonna give you a sabbatical and everything's we can take care of. You can just go do this, right? Even for us in the educational world, you have to like prove and prove and prove to get any kind of even sniff at a sabbatical. 12 years, no sabbatical. It's just, it's hard. We have to intentionally put this in our life and pursue it. Jesus figures out the only time I can do this is this time. It's late at night and I'm already tired. I've done a long day, a couple days of ministry, but this is the only way I'm gonna be able to sustain this. So if, if there's anything you hear today, I hope you hear this. Prioritize the places and spaces when you can be with Jesus over anything else. And when you do that, you will find that even when you're tired and you're exhausted, your endurance and your perseverance is fueled by the spirit and not just your own personal strength. Can I get an amen? amen. I think we all yearn for this. And I think the model in scripture is, yeah, it's hard. You're gonna have to find the time. It's not gonna show up. It's ultimately gonna have to be one of your priorities. So Jesus is praying He's done praying. He looks across the river, the lake, and he's like, they're still there? <laughs> like, I thought they would have been across. They're fishermen, right? A lot of those guys are really good rowers. They're still there. So instead of like just walking around the lake, which he probably was gonna do, he's like, I could just meet him halfway. So he walks across, right? Sometimes we think like Jesus is doing something like super, super spiritual. I'm like, no, he's just gonna go help, right? So he just goes and walks across. Before we get to the next part, you ready for the next folds? All right. This is probably the most, one of the more tricky parts of the deal, okay? If you ever made a paper airplane, what you're going to do is you're going to fold it both sides so that it comes to a point. Show the next, the next slide up there. There you go. So you see how it's got a little band at the bottom? So you're trying to do like a 90-degree angle. You're going to fold it right in the middle. And I know you probably can do it on your lap. I'm going to use the table here real quick. And what you're going to find is you're going to have at the bottom of that a little strip that goes straight across. Okay, so that first square up there, right? So here you go. It's going to be like that. So it's a little bit like that. We're going to make a hat first, then we're going to make a boat second. You all ready for that? Okay, so you got that part? Now this is what you're going to do. You're going to take the first flap at the bottom and fold it straight up. Okay, just first flap, the one that's right in front of you. I might lose you, but that's okay. You can... This is online everywhere, okay. Then what you're gonna do is on the back one, do the exact same thing, but backwards. So this is how you make the hat. And if all you get is a hat today, I'm proud of you. Good job, okay. All right, so that makes sense? Everybody say, got it? All right, we're moving on. So, continuing the passage. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. Here's what happens. This is so interesting to me, right? Here's what Mark says. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because all, they all saw him and were terrified. I mean, do you get this? Like Mark's like, yeah, he was about ready to just go, oh, yeah, they're, they're stuck. I'm gonna keep going. He was gonna pass them. Jesus would leave them wrestling against the wind. Ah, it's good for them to have to struggle. You know what I mean? So he's just gonna walk ahead. It doesn't even say like he was going out there to help them. I thought at first like he's gonna go help them. No, he's like, I can just get there quicker. <laughs> 
It's like, he's like, that's the fastest way to get to the other side. So I'm just going to walk across the water. I don't know. I'm speculating a little bit, but I don't think it's, it makes sense. Right. But they see him and he's like, oh, they saw me. Okay. So now he goes over to them and now they're freaked out. Like, oh my gosh, there's a ghost. Now here's the key, right? Catch this. They saw him and they were terrified. Had he been on land, would they have been terrified? No, not probably much, right? I mean, there are times in which Jesus does things and they're like, okay, normal people don't do this. Most rabbis can't do this. This is something different. They know he's Messiah. Matter of fact, at different times, they've alluded to the fact that they know he's a special rabbi on some level, right? But in this moment again, they're reminded that he's the Messiah, the Savior, the one that's come. Now back up for a second. Remember, what were the first two things that they just went and did? They did ministry in his name. They saw demons cast out of people. They healed people from blindness and other things. They just fed 5,000 men plus everybody else who was there, probably eight to 9,000 people, right? Those are not miracles enough. It's the water walking that gets them. Can we own for just a few minutes the fact that we also are too comfortable with Jesus sometimes and we don't realize that he's the savior, that he's the Lord? And on some level, we probably should be uneasy when we're around him, not because he doesn't love us, not because he isn't compassionate and has forgiven us and went to the cross for us and invites us into the Father's relationship with the Father, not because of that, but because he's God. Can I get an amen? There's a holiness. There is an other that's connected to who Jesus is that we have to wrestle with or else we will not get it. See, when we talk about the idea of a calling or going in his name, there is a certain amount of power that we should be understanding that we're going with. When we have a calling, there's a God who calls you. I, it's always interesting to me, our language sometimes. So, so when we leave church on, like on a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or whatever else, there are oftentimes the conversation will be something like this. And I am just as guilty of this, so don't hear me being too mean. Something like, hey, how was worship today? Oh, it was good. How was the message? Oh, it was really good. As if we're voting on it. On if, as if we're on Yelp or on something and kind of giving a rating, Right? Everybody say, ouch. I think the question we should ask is, how do you think God thinks that we worshiped today? The audience is God, not us. Yes, we want to find ways to connect with God. And sometimes we, that's ill-fitting for us because we wrestle with something that connects to us and helps us to see God and, and understand God and, and be more equipped to follow Jesus and, and to connect deeply and to understand who God is and how he loves us so deeply. Like all that stuff is all a part of this gathering, the time together. That's all what we're trying to do. But when we a moment at some point step out of that and say, well, how did they or how did it go rather than how am I trying to get to the place where God is at or be aware of how he is already here speaking to me through something. The honest answer is, if you get something out of the message today, I hope that it's all because some scripture spoke to you, Holy Spirit guided you, directed you in some way, or I hope you had a phenomenal conversation with someone 
and you knew that you were loved and you were listened to and maybe even prayed for after end at the end of the service today. Like, I hope something like that happens. It doesn't even have to be a part of almost anything that happens like organizationally or like intentionally, but that you found God in the midst of a conversation in the eyes of someone or something happened here or in the song, the words of the song. We're here to meet God. That's the intention. Because without him, we won't be able to make it. Back to the boat, right? Ready for this? All right, so this is where it gets a little bit on the tricky side. I know you can do this. I have trust. I have faith in you. So you take your hat, because by the way, that's the hat, okay? Take the hat, right in the middle, pull it straight across. It's going to be weird because one of these tabs are going to want to hit each other. Put one behind the other on this side as well. And you're going to get a weird kind of square with the flaps at the bottom and a fold in the middle. Did y'all do it? It's a pretty magical one. It's pretty crazy. Okay, you got to get that? Right? We're getting close to being done. So we want to. Okay, now what you're going to do is you're going to fold it in half. So I'm holding it up. You're just going to go straight down. You're going to make a downward triangle. Okay. This is not going to be a stork. Those are really hard. Okay. All right. Does that make sense? You got that part so far? Then you're going to flip it back up. And uh, wait, did I know that? No, we're not going to do that yet. You went too fast. Don't go there just yet. Go back to the other one. There you go. Perfect. Okay. See how that line across the middle there is? You fold it and now you have that triangle. Now here's the weird part. You're going to take one flap, downward triangle, right? Take one flap and pull it up. What it's going to look like is you have a fold in the middle and you have a fold going up the, the, the center as well. Okay. Got that? Everybody say, got it? <laughs> I'm losing you, aren't I? It's okay. You're close. You're really close. So if you're there, hold on to that. Okay. Now, I would love to just run through the rest of the passage and then land it in a place where we can all take an application. But I got to stop for a second, right? Because here's the, here's the awkward moment, right? Because this story is told in more than one gospel, right? What is obvious about this particular story, story tell, the, the telling of this story that's different than some of the other ones? Do you notice what's different in this one? If you look at the passage, guess who's not talked about? Peter, right? Now, most of us are familiar with the Matthew passage where Peter comes walking down the water. He's like, Jesus, if it's you, can I come? And he's like, come on, let's do it. And then he gets out of the water, right? And then he gets out and he like takes a step on the water and he looks around, he sees the waves, right? And he begins to sink and he says, Lord, save me. Jesus is, reaches out a hand immediately. By the way, Matthew does use that word. Immediately pulls him up into the boat and then he gives him a little bit of the conversation, right? Is that really all the faith you got? Why all the doubt? And I think for each of us, we're like, well, that's the passage we're most familiar with. And I just want to say one quick moment about Peter in this because the passage we're in doesn't have him in there. It's kind of nice. I think Mark's really helping him out. He basically throws everybody under the boat, I mean, the bus, uh, pun intended. Uh, in his story, <laughs> Matthew's like, no, I'm telling the story about Peter. <laughs> but here's the thing. I actually think Peter is the hero in the other telling of the story. Why? Because it's better to be a water stumbler than a boat potato. <laughs> Come on, people, that's good, right? If there's anything you're gonna remember today is like he talked about water stumbling versus boat potato people, okay? So here's the deal. 
Like there's 11 boat potatoes, right? They just sat in there. They didn't do anything, right? Peter was the one that got out there. And even though his water walking, his journey was a short one, I'm giving him props for trying. Because he what? He thought that if Jesus was the one calling him to do the miracle thing, that it was possible. Come on, get me, amen? That it's possible. So how does this passage end? Well, this passage ends with a different kind of conversation. Actually, let's go back to our, our wonderful making of a, of a boat. Okay, so remember we started here, right? We have the two lines on the middle. Here's what I'm gonna have you do. You, you pulled up the one flap to make that square. You're gonna take that same, the one that's remaining in the bottom and you're gonna pull it up back in the behind it. So now it looks the same again. It has a fold up the middle and it's a triangle like that. How many of you think you're still with me? Show me. All right, good job. If it's half, I'm feeling successful. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna use that and then we'll have one last turn to get ourselves a boat. Here's what I wanna say. Brendan Manning is one of my favorite writers and uh, he writes about this idea of a second journey in the, in the faith, the life of faith. The second journey is this. And I don't know where all you're at in your faith in this place today. Some of you, this might be beginning. You might be just looking and searching. And this conversation today might be just a, a one that's like, oh, okay, I, I'm learning what it means. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to trust him, that he's Messiah, that he's the one that's promised to come, that he's the one that actually rescues us, that he sends a, the Holy Spirit to be the power for us to live this life daily together. That's what the call to follow Jesus is about. But for many of us, we've been around church or involved in church type things for long enough that sometimes there's a second calling or a reminder calling, or maybe it's a sign up again calling, right? It's something that calls us to a different place. Here's the way Brendan Manning describes it. I think it's really helpful. He says this, second journeys usually end quietly with a new wisdom and a coming to a true sense of self that releases great power. The wisdom is that of an adult who has regained equilibrium, stabilized and found fresh purpose and new dreams. It is a wisdom that gives something up, lets some things die and accepts human limitations. It is a wisdom that has faced the pain caused by parents, spouse, family, friends, colleagues, business associates, and has truly forgiven them, it acknowledges with unexpected compassion that these people are neither angels nor devils, but only human. He's talking about a maturity call. That we just don't follow and do things that are church and Christian-like. We actually become better people. We are transformed. Our hearts are moved toward compassion for every other human being in the world. I heard it said one time that you'll never lock eyes with anyone who's not been made in the image of God. Everybody say, ouch, right? Because we can certainly try to remove that designation from people. That's kind of what Joe prayed about today. It's a great prayer about our hearts and the song, right? Moving from hatred and division toward unity. And that means we see people as God sees them, made in his image. We extend grace and love and compassion to all. 
All right, last move before your boat. We'll see if we can pull this off. Are you ready for this? So here's the craziest part about this one now. Okay. All right, so you have this triangle. Everything's folded up. You can do one more thing. You're going to flip it again like this. And look, it looks like it's another hat. And all you're going to do is pull this apart. And you should have, from the corners, a boat. Mine did not fold really good right there, but it should be like... I just pulled it too far. <laughs> My wife just said, do you want mine? It looks better. <laughs> right? You all see it? So that's kind of like your boat. So if you are like me, and remember when we used to like watch the water go down the gutter on my street and put things in it and just follow it for like miles and miles. Anyone? Anyone? Come on, people, you gotta say yes. All right, here we go. That's what this is for, okay? So here's your example. Oh, and I'm gonna invite the worship team back up, please. Uh, we're gonna close with a song after this. Someone come on up. You have a paper boat in front of you. This story was not really about the disciples and their lack of faith. It's not really about the things that they missed along the way with Jesus. It's not even about the fact that Jesus surprised them by coming to them on the water. It's a story for each one of us. And the story is simply this. Where is Jesus and do you believe him? It's that simple. Where is Jesus in your life and do you believe him? At the end of the day, they actually needed him in the boat because when he gets into the boat, what happens? The winds die down and they're amazed. And in some ways, that amazement is that weird tension between both love and affection and being in absolutely amazed by this person in awe, but it's also, wow. He is God. He is the one that I need. He's the only hope that I have. He's the one that I need in my life. He's the one that I will seek, I will trust, I will follow, I'll listen to, I'll worship, and I'll serve. So maybe sometime this week, as you're just sitting around in whatever form of boat you made or didn't make, maybe leave it someplace where it's visible. As a simple reminder is, where is Jesus? Do you recognize him? Can you see him? Is he near? Is he in the boat with you? And do you call him Lord and Savior, leader and forgiver, and giving up your life to follow him? I'm gonna close in a word of prayer. And I know that during this song also, if you would like prayer, there'll be some folks over here that'll pray for you. And even if you just don't know what you need prayer for, just they'll love to sit and pray and listen to you. So would you bow with me, bow with me for a word of prayer? Father God, thank you for this day. Gosh, your word is so powerful and so convicting. Um, it's really helpful too. That God, we could learn what it means to look for you in our life in the storms and when we feel stuck, God, you're there with us. That you really do want to help us, be with us. 
God, maybe more than anything else today, I just want to declare, and maybe each of us in our own hearts declare the same thing, that Jesus, you are God. You came into this world, lived the perfect life among us, gave up your life on a cross, that your blood offers for each one of us forgiveness and a new start and peace with you. And that God, you don't leave us alone Matter of fact, Jesus, you said you'd send us the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit is the one that guides us each and every day. So Father, we ask that you would be in the boat with us and that we could see you, acknowledge you, and walk with you. Be with us today, God, we ask. May we realize that you are who you say you are. Love you and thank you. In the name of Christ, amen.